Welcome to the Vineyard Cincinnati podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To subscribe to our podcast or listen to other messages, go to vineyardcincinnati.com slash podcast. Good morning, Vineyard. Good to see you guys this morning. Some of you guys are like, what's happened to the schedule? Am I on time? We're changing it up a little bit today. So good to have you here today. Before I jump in, though, want to just galvanize that June 11 event next Saturday night. Please come to that and learn what it means to be a disciple who makes disciples and makes disciples. It's such an important thing. It's why we're here. So come join us next Saturday night. It'll be great. I'm excited about today. It was July 2nd, 1982. 30-year-old, 33-year-old truck driver, Larry Walters, knew he had to do something. In his own words, he was bored of his life and he was looking for more. So he did what any rational human being would do, if you feel that. He went to the store and bought 45 massive weather balloons. He filled them with helium. He tied them to his Sears Roebuck lawn chair. He put on a parachute, grabbed a BB gun, a couple sandwiches, and a six-pack of beer. And he said to his friends, when I count down from 10, I'd like you to cut the rope and let me go, because I'm going to float 100 feet in the air above my friends' houses and just have a little adventure. He counted down from 10. When they cut the rope, he shot up to 16,000 feet. 16,000 feet. He was first spotted by an airline pilot. Could you imagine being that pilot? There's a water balloon. Not sure what's going on here. And air, he's floating in the air. Now, he wasn't prepared to be that high. It was five degree temperatures. He was freezing. He was not wearing a coat. He was in the air for eight hours. The point of the BB gun was if he was floating 100 feet in the air, he was going to shoot one or two out and just kind of drift down. But now that he's 16,000 feet in the air, he's like, if I shoot one out, I don't know how fast I'm going to come down. I'll die. Eight hours trying to figure out what to do. But then the wind changed direction, and he began to be pushed out to the Pacific Ocean. That's when he knew he had to try something. So he shot a few balloons out. He started to come down, and he went to shoot another balloon out, and he got scared and dropped the gun. And then he began to descend rather rapidly. The L.A. power kind of guessed where he was going to land, and they turned off all the power in that area so that if he hit power lines, he wouldn't die. Miraculously, he hit some power lines that were not online, and he found himself dangling 10 feet in the air. And he was brought to rescue. When he got to the ground... The sandwiches were eaten. The beer was definitely gone. (laughs) The entire L.A. media was there with cameras and and microphones. And they asked him, were you scared? And he said, absolutely petrified. Would you do it again? Absolutely. And never again. (laughs) And then they asked him, why did you do it? And he quite poignantly, sadly answered, Man's got to do something. I'm bored. And I knew that if I didn't try it, I might end up in the funny farm. 11 years later, in 1993, after his window of fame had passed, lawn chair Larry walked into the woods alone and committed suicide. No note. His mom told the newspapers, He could never find out what he was truly looking for. I think Bono said it best in U2, the best band ever. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Can anyone relate? Many of us in this world, 
still haven't found what we're looking for. We're looking for love in all the wrong places, like Lawn Chair Larry. We're trying to find life, trying to find meaning, and we look for it in places that aren't meant to last. To, to quote Henry David Thoreau, most men and women are leading quiet lives, lives of quiet desperation. We're not like Larry and they were committing suicide, but we're going through life wondering if there's more. I think there's a little, if not a lot of Larry in all of us. Wondering, is there more? There's a craving in all of us for more, wanting to be more, have more, do more, experience more, know more. We want more, but we feel fettered. We feel hampered. We feel bored and looking for more in all the wrong places. But here's the truth. The truth of the gospel, the truth of the good news of Jesus is that we've been unleashed for more. That's the truth of the good news of Jesus. We weren't made for less, we're made for more. Today, we, are, we start our summer series called Unleashed for More, and it's a walk through the letter of Acts. Luke wrote his first letter called what? Luke, not Mark. He wrote Luke about the, the gospel of Jesus and who Jesus was to his friend Theophilus who was seeking God. And he writes this next letter as a continuation of what Jesus had done, especially through the Holy Spirit to his people. So it's called, it really should be called Acts of the Holy Spirit to the people of God. And today we celebrate Pentecost because we're celebrating this letter that, that shows us how to walk in the promises of the gospel which unleashes us for more. The theme verse for this series we're gonna have this summer in our summer series is Acts 4, 13. It says this about Peter and John. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. When you experience the more that there is in Christ, people will see you regardless of your education and background and say, man, they've been with Jesus. That's how we wanna be and how we get to live. That's the promise of the gospel of Jesus. So as we celebrate Pentecost, it's the oft ignored and forgotten holiday. Like it's as important, it's as important as Christmas and Easter. Because if, if we have Christmas and Easter, the, the incarnation of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, and we don't have Pentecost, we lack the fuel that fills the engine. We lack the detonator that, 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 that connects the bomb. It is, Pentecost is what allows us to live powerful, free lives today as we await the not yet. So we're gonna lean into the more of the gospel today. So here's what I wanna ask you to do. I wanna invite you to stand. And we're gonna lean into worship. And we have different segments where we do a little worship and we do a little talk and we're leaning into the power and the purpose of Pentecost. And I want you, as we start this first segment of worship, I want, you to, I want you to close your eyes for me. Would you just, if you don't have to, if you don't want to, but just, I want you to just take a deep breath and take a posture that says, I want more. I'm tired of living for less. I wanna live in the more that the gospel promises. And I, we're gonna sing a song that says, make room. I wanna make room for Holy Spirit to move. I wanna make room to surrender I want to lay everything else down. I want more. Let's worship. And I 
I'm not gonna lie to you. I love when someone starts with that phrase, I'm not gonna lie to you, like I lie a lot. <laughs> but that just strikes me as I sing those two songs. Do I believe that his ways are better? Do I really live like his ways are better? Do I really crave more of him or do I want more of so much else? And the reality is there's nothing else that gives real life like Jesus. There's nothing, if he lived and died and rose again, which he did, there's no one else that has life like him. And today, we celebrate Pentecost, which is the releasing of his power and his love and his grace fully in us so we can live powerfully in this world and make it here on earth as it is in heaven. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter two as we're gonna look at what is Pentecost and what it means for us being unleashed to more. Again, as I just said a minute ago, the book of Acts, written by Luke, is a continuation of the ministry and power and purpose of Jesus through his Holy Spirit to his people. If you recall, Jesus has died. He's been crucified. He lived a perfect life. 
and, and then died a horrific death to set us free from our sin, to take the sins of the world upon himself. And then three short days later, he rises again. And the first chapter of Acts, we're told that after he rose then, he is now with the disciples for 40 days, teaching them the kingdom of God, showing them many proofs that he is the resurrected king. And then he says, now wait, wait for my, for my coming Holy Spirit. Wait, I'm gonna put myself in you, an, an astounding, amazing theological truth. Wait for this coming Holy Spirit. So here we have chapter two, verse one. Jesus is now ascended back to the Father. The disciples are waiting. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, Pentecost was not a new holiday. It's not a new holiday for us today. It's been around for thousands of years. It was, it was one of the three major Jewish feasts. There was the Passover and then the, the tabernacles in the fall, the Passover earlier, and this one sandwiched in the middle. And every Jew in the known world of all different languages would pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate these three feasts. Well, just 50 days earlier, they had celebrated Passover. And Passover is the celebration of the angel of the Lord passing over any household that had the blood of a lamb on its doorway. When, when the Jews were in, in Egypt as slaves, they took a perfect lamb, sacrificed it, put the blood of the lamb above their door so the angel of the Lord would pass over that house to say you're safe because you belong to me. Not ironically, God set out for Jesus to be crucified on Passover. Do you think God intended that on purpose? The perfect lamb, the God made to take the sins of the world upon himself and his blood poured out for us, marking our lives when we say yes to him so that when he sees the blood of Jesus on us, the angel Lord passes over and we're now set free. And three short days later, God was very intentional about doing that. Three days later, Jesus rises from the dead and then 50 days after Passover, we have Pentecost. Pentecost means 50. 50 days later, it had two primary points to it. The, the, Pentecost was the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Shavuot. And it was also the celebration of the giving of the law, the renewing of God's covenant with his people. Let me talk about this real quick. The Feast of Weeks was when the people would bring their wheat harvest, their first fruit to God to say, I just brought the wheat, heat, wheat harvest in and instead of keeping it for myself to hoard, I'm gonna bring the first harvest to you to say, I trust you for more. You have all that I need. You're gonna provide for me. And it was also a celebration of the law, the giving of the law, but the law reminded them, reminds us that we're dead in our sin, that, that we cannot be saved on our own. When we read the 10 Commandments, we're supposed to say, oh crud, who can do this? Nobody. I can't do it on my own. I need God. And so this Pentecost celebration was a, was a, a reminder, a celebration that God, we, we come to you and expect you for more. You've got the more we need. And secondly, we can't save ourselves. Only you can save us. So it's not ironic at all that it's on Pentecost, this day of saying we can't save ourselves, we're trusting you for more, that God pours out his spirit in an amazing fashion. It, it's a direct prophecy, fulfillment of Ezekiel 36, when it says, I'm gonna pour out my spirit in a coming day, I'm gonna send my Messiah, I'll pour out my spirit, and I'll write my law on your hearts. You'll no longer be able to save yourself. Check it out. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Imagine, it sounds like a, that tornado sound that none of us wants to hear. But it's powerful, loud sound, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Some scholars believe maybe they were in the temple, so the house was a temple, or maybe it was a house, but bottom line, everyone in the area heard it. Remember, all the Jews in the known world are here, they pilgrimage here, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on them. We're told there was 120 followers of Jesus now, not just the 12, but, but Jesus had been meeting with many people. He, he, he'd shown himself to, I think, like 500 people, tons of people. So there's a ton of disciples there, and tongues of fire rest on them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, this theological truth that, that, that comes true. Like, like before in the Old Testament, they were not filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit would come on them in short spurts, but now the Spirit of God enters us, filling us, 
giving us the power to be who God has called us to be by no work of our own. And the, the people that the tongues were resting on their heads, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is not the gift of tongues where someone speaks an unknown language and another person interprets. This is literal languages. Because everyone in the known world is there and they all begin to hear the gospel, the mighty works of God in their own tongue. They're all now hearing God, hearing the gospel for the first time in their own language. God is just showing up and showing off. He, he's letting us know, letting them know then and letting us know two primary things. The good news is now for everyone. Not just the Jews. Not just not just people of a certain tongue, but of all races, all backgrounds, all ethnicities, all genders, everyone. And the fire on their heads, this was such a powerful thing. The fire in the Old Testament represented where you go to see God. There's a pillar of fire over the temple. And you went to the temple to see God because God rested on the temple. Or he was in the burning bush that didn't burn up. And you, went to, you went to go see God. By putting tongues of fire on their heads, God is saying, you now no longer have to go to a temple to find me. I'm gonna make you my temple. You are now each one, when you confess with your mouth that he is Lord and you believe he rose from the dead, you'll now be filled with the Holy Spirit and be your own individual temple. Now set apart, perfected in him for his good work. That's why Paul says in other letters, you are the temple of God. Like, know who you are and protect your body. Don't give your life, your, your life away sexually to other people. That's not your spouse. Don't do stupid things to your body because you are a temple. Honor who you are because you are powerful. You're precious. You're sacred. When I meet young women and they feel worthless, I want to say you're a temple of the living God. Or I meet young men that are doing things that, to cause themselves harm. I mean, you're a temple of the living God. Don't forget who you are. You're a son or daughter of the king when you give your life to him. You matter. I could preach on that all day. God's saying, I, I got my people, and I, I've given you my spirit to give you more. And look, what, look at how the people responded. And all were amazed and perplexed. You think? Like, this is a crazy sight. And they began saying to one another, what does this mean? Or others were mocking, said, they are drunk. Literally, they're drunk on sweet wine. They're drinking it up. Two responses. What is this? I want some of that. I want more. Or... They're freaks. There's a response to the gospel. One of two responses. Either I want it or they're nuts. Look what Peter says. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour. It's only 9 a.m. They're not tailgating an OSU game. This isn't a Bengals game we're tailgating. No, no, there's something more going on. You gotta know, this is something that's been prophesied for years. Here's what he goes on to say. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel a couple thousand years before. And here's what Joel said. In the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Somebody say all flesh. All flesh. Not some flesh. Not white people. Not just black people. Not just Asian people. Not just Latino people. All people. Not just old people. Not just young people. All people. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy they're saying young people can get in the game. It's not just for old people. And, 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 and oh my gosh, and your young men and, and your young women will see visions. And your old men and, and old women shall dream dreams. I'm not sure who's old and who's young. I think I get visions and Raul gets dreams. I'm not sure because that was a bad joke. We're, we're close to the same age. So we, we, I guess we get dreams and some of you guys get visions. I'm not sure when it starts. I'm not sure what the cutoff is. But God's moving. On every, even on my male servants and female servants, even the lowest of the low, all are equal in the kingdom. There's no hierarchy. There's no better than, no less than. I don't care about your color. I don't care about your gender. M women matter. Men matter. All are invited in. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. This is 2,000 years ago. And it's been happening ever since. 
And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood, fire, vapor, smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Pentecost is a reminder that we've been unleashed to more. We, as the followers of Jesus, if you're in relationship with Jesus, you have Christ in you, the power and hope of glory. You've been unleashed to more. You've not been unleashed to, to steady, stoic, boring life. You've been unleashed to a life of power, a life of purpose, a life of meaning, a life of depth. And God is saying, you are now, if you've given your life to me, I've set you apart. I've made you new, a new creation, a powerful creation. I've given you meaning. and I've given you a reason to, to bring heaven to earth. Oh, there's so much more. So how do you respond? How do you respond? Do you respond, oh God, I want that. Do you respond like, like I want to know more of that. Or, or do you respond like they're drunk? That's crazy. It is your decision to choose. Do you want more? If you want more, you got to ask for more. And if you're already in Christ and Christ is already in you, you already have the fullness of all you need, but, you, but it's, oh, there's always more. There's always more. So I want to take this, this segment of worship to lean into the more and ask for more. Would you just, hold, maybe you hold your hands out. Close your eyes, would you? A posture of openness and surrender. Say, God, I want more. And maybe in this time, repent of living adventureless. Repent of living looking for love in all the wrong places. It's like, God, I'm tired of looking for life where there is no life. I choose you because you've chosen me. I just want to put a stake in the ground and say, I need more. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, ask him now to come into you. Say, Jesus, I admit my sin. I admit my need. Come into me. If you've been a Christian a day or 25 years or 50 years, say, I, I want more, more. Stir, stir, stir. I want more. We want the fullness of all that you are and all that you have. Let's worship.
our hearts continue burning for our king is soon returning and as we hold to this assurance in spirit So what are the implications of this day we celebrate? What are the implications? What does it mean for us right now in 2022? There's, there's a lot of things, but there's two primary things I think I've narrowed it down to theologically. Number one, Pentecost means we've been unleashed to more life, for more life, and we've been unleashed for more hope. Let me unpack these two. First, we've been unleashed for more life because Jesus lived a perfect life, was crucified on the cross to take our sin away, and rose again to show us that he has power over death. His infilling of the Holy Spirit means now sin and death have been conquered, and now the infilling of the Holy Spirit gives us the ability and power to say no to sin and say yes to Jesus. Without the Spirit in us, we can't say no to sin. No in this side of heaven will live a perfect life. But if I have Christ in me, the hope of glory, I can say no to sin, and I can find true life in him. If I don't have the Holy Spirit in me, I'm destined to try to just strive and work, and it'll never be enough. I'll never be good enough. I'll never be able to achieve or attain, because you can't achieve or attain on your own. But the Spirit in you says, I can say no to... You, you have the... the the choice in Christ, the power in Christ to say no to that nagging sin. You can turn off the computer and not look at porn. You can say no to it. And I know it's hard to, to break free from the drink or break free from whatever struggle you have, but with Christ in you and surrounded in community in Christ, I can say no to that. And I can say yes to Jesus. There's life. Jesus promises, I have life and I have abundant life. Jeremiah 2.13, the Old Testament passage, says, look, my people, this is pre-Holy Spirit, my people have committed two primary sins, two primary wrongs, two primary things that separate from me. They've, they've forsaken me, the spring of living water. I'm where real life is. I'm the real source of life. They've forsaken me, and they've dug their own wells, ones that leak. Don't we all do that? Go to places that don't really satisfy. I look to my work. I look to sex. I look to drugs. I look to alcohol. I look to my kids' sports. I look to my spouse. All things 
Many things that can be fine. Sex in its right time is amazing. But in marriage, outside of marriage, it's not gonna give you the kind of life you're promised. Work is good, but it won't give you the life that you really need. If we find life in Christ first, all those other things in their appropriate way give life appropriately. But Christ is the source of life, and his spirit in us reminds us that he is who life is and where life is found. And you and I are now the new temples of God. Like you have life in him because he's your, you are his temple now that he's put himself in. Again, back to that Ezekiel prophecy. I'm gonna write my law on your hearts. I'm gonna do for you what you cannot do for yourself. I'm gonna put my spirit in you. I'm gonna write my law on your hearts and give you the ability to thrive and live as I've intended you to live. Here's what Peter said. After that prophetic reminder from Joel, and he says, he stands in front of all the people. They're observing the fires on the head. He says, men and women of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. In other words, Jesus was the man. He was the God man. You saw all the stuff he did. This Jesus was delivered up to be crucified according to according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. God did this. You didn't do it. You think you did it, but God did it. Because God had a plan to set us free. You crucified and killed this man by the hands of lawless men. But God, I love but God's. But God raised him up. Doing what? Loosing the pangs of death. What's the opposite of death? Life. He loosed the pangs. Even though every one of us this side of heaven is going to die, we're all destined to be worm food. That's a positive thought, Matt. We are. We're all destined to become worm food. And God has loosed the pangs of death. As I'm awaiting my certain death, I have life now because I have life in the not yet. And I'm called to bring life now because I have life in the not yet. Because it was not possible for him to be held by death being therefore exalted at the right hand of God. He sent back to the Father. Having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has now poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. He's poured out perfection on us, in us, through us, life. That's the power of Pentecost. He's unleashed more life for us, to us, through us. Jesus had to leave so that we could experience life and be connected to him. There's a survey done. 89% of committed believers, 89% of committed believers said they'd rather have Jesus in the flesh today than the Holy Spirit in them. And I understand that because it'd be great to have Jesus. If Jesus walked in the door, we'd all be like, oh my God. But Jesus, if he was still in the flesh, can only be one place at one time. Spatially, he cannot be everywhere. He had to leave so that all of us all tribes, all nations, all people, all over the world could know him and be connected to him. So his spirit in us could then give us the power to have experience, to experience life. He had to leave to give us power. And then lastly, because of, because of Pentecost, we've been unleashed for more hope. How many of you guys could use some more hope today? All right, doesn't the world feel hopeless? We just had another, sh another shooting. That makes 215 in 2022. 215 shootings in 2022. Senseless. That doesn't even count, by the way. The 700 deaths around the mass shootings, that doesn't even count the thousands of deaths around gang violence. Doesn't count the thousands of deaths killed in abortion every year. Doesn't count the thousands of pain and frustration, the thousands, of, the millions of people in poverty, the million. this, you look at the world and go, what the blank is going on and there's only one hope there's only one hope is the resurrection of Jesus marked by the infilling of the Holy Spirit in and through his people you and I are put on this earth to experience hope to be hope to bring hope wherever we go this is why we're here you and I have not been unleashed to make ourselves happier on this earth I don't think God gives a crap about your happiness. He doesn't give a crap about my happiness. 
pardon me if that word offends you. But what he does care is about you being released in power. What he does care about is you being people that know him, experience him, and experience his hope, and bring his hope wherever you are, wherever you go. That doesn't mean be fake. Doesn't mean walk around, happy, happy, joy, joy. I don't want any time with that. I don't want fake people. But it means understanding I've been unleashed to hope. Peter, in that same sermon, goes on to talk about what King David said, the, the amazing King David, what he said about Jesus as he prophesied a couple thousand years before Jesus came. King David prophesied about Jesus, and he said it all. Looking into the future, King David said, I saw God before me in the form of Jesus for all time. He prophesied seeing the coming Messiah who would live for all time. And because of that Messiah, nothing can shake me. He's right by my side. Now, he said that without knowing he would not just be right by my side, he'd be in us. Not just by my side, but in us. And because of that, I'm glad from the inside out, I'm ecstatic. I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. Oh, oh, we need hope. Pentecost, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is a reminder that this is not our true home, that we were made for more. We have hope now as we await the not yet because we get to know who we are. We get to know where we're going And we get to have hope and bring hope as we await real hope. Holy Spirit in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what do you do when you feel hopeless? Do you begin to feel more hopeless or you lean into the hope and do you ask Holy Spirit to stir and say, God, remind me that I've been unleashed for hope. We are not to be the hopeless people. We get to be the hopeful, powerful people that bring hope, not bring death, not bring despair. I had the privilege of sharing the passage about King David right there at my brother's funeral seven years ago. My brother knew Jesus. And my brother is with Jesus today, experiencing hope. But he brought hope on this earth I don't know what. He got to make it here. No, no, just, he got to make it here. Here's the deal. My brother put his hope in the one who is hope. And therefore, he experienced hope and he brought hope. Do you know that hope? Do you know that hope? It's, it's time for us, Christian. Christian, it's time for us to stop being hopeless and be hopeful. During World War II, the Holocaust victims, the Jews that were killed by the millions by the Germans. It was the end of the war, and those that were in Dachau, the Jewish camp, the, war, the allies were coming. They, were, they, they had beaten the Germans, but the Germans were still holding on to Dachau, and they started killing the Jews because they knew they'd lost. And so all of them, their weakened state and shrunk down. They fought off the Germans and barricaded themselves inside one of the, the big places, and, they, and they, they got a Morse code and sent a message to the allies saying, they're killing us. Are you coming? We need to know you're coming. They're killing us. And the Morse code was sent back. We're coming. Hold on. Hold on. We're coming. And so they fought them off. And the lesson, the lesson for us today, you have way more power in you than you know. You have way, you have Christ in you, the hope of glory, and you can hold on. Bring hope now as we await the not yet. Would you stand with me? So what do we do? What do we do? Peter closed that sermon and he said, if you want what you have, what what Pentecost brings you, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you put your faith in Christ already, you repent now, not to get his grace, not to get his, you already have it, but you repent to turn afresh and to say, I need you. 
And you don't need the Holy Spirit again. You've already got but You repent to stir Holy Spirit. If you've never put your faith in Christ, you repent now to admit your need, admit your sin, and say, fill me now with your Holy Spirit. You're baptized once in the Holy Spirit, and the rest of your life you're stirred. And you're given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms right now. I want to invite prayer teams up, and we're going to lean into worship. We're going to take some time to invite, just come and ask for more. I don't care where you are in the journey, come get prayer for more. Like this young man walked up. Just come get prayer. If you don't want to come get prayer, turn to the person next to you and say, pray for more. I want more. Let's lean in for more.
church let's sing that today he's worthy because you're worthy of it all come on let the church sing today he's worthy because you're worthy of it all and we sing from you our offers until you are offers for you deserve the glory I know
Praise God. Happy Pentecost. You've been unleashed for more. Yeah, unleashed for more. So if you want prayer, come on down. Get prayer. Receive prayer about anything. More. If you want more. I, I felt like as I was hearing worship right there, I felt two things. Number one, to the young people, anyone, I don't know what young means, 30, under 30, under, I don't know, I'm, I'm old. I don't know what, but anyway, the young, man, man, he has so much more for you. He has so much, and for the old people, and I'm not, I'm not sure when old starts, but he's not done with you yet. All right? He's not done with you yet. Don't give up. So come get prayer. Pray with each other. Let's just make this a house of prayer. That's why we're here. Come this Saturday night for Friendship with a Vision, and we bless you guys. Be warm and well fed. See you guys. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. To subscribe to our podcast or listen to other messages, go to vineyardcincinnati.com slash podcast.